Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to all of our Wall Builders Live listeners. We're glad that you're still tuning in on Christmas Day, or if you're listening to this later through the archive sections, either way, Merry, Merry Christmas. We've got a special treat for you today. I'm Rick Green, former Texas legislator, here with David Barton, America's premier historian, and Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor. And we got some really cool things we're going to be sharing with folks today, guys. You, and, and, and in fact, I don't know if we should tell them all of them that we're going to add, uh, that we're going to be airing today, but let's just say some interesting folks are going to be saying Merry Christmas. Yeah, uh, interesting could be appropriate. You know, it, it, it might be fun actually just to uh, do some some vocal recognition. Um, if yeah. you could play these sound bites and see who would recognize the voices. Hey, that's a good idea. Let's do that. We'll, we'll play the sound bites and see if you can recognize who it is. That'll be great. So, uh, Justin, let's, let's start the first one. Here's a sound. I will tell you, it's a U.S. president. And this. Well, now you've made it a lot easier because there's only 45 options. Yeah, there's only 40. Well, Actually, we'll let's see. say 45 because there weren't. I don't think George Washington has a vocal recording we can go to. We don't oh, have no. a vocal recording of Washington. Oh, no. Go to, go to YouTube and you can see his <laughs> inaugural address right No, no wait I, I, Maybe I don't not. think, I don't think Maybe he not. made it. No, but, but certainly a Merry Christmas from us here at Wall Builders and. Uh, some presidents also who had some pretty strong Christmas messages while they were in the White House. And we thought this would be a very appropriate way as we talk about the real reason for the season, right? The meaning behind Christmas as we talk about Jesus. Today, there's this thought that you can't have that from politicians. You can't have that in government. But that's that's just not the position that most presidents of our nation have taken. And, and so we have just pulled a few clips where you can hear presidents talking about the, the Christmas message and what Christmas is, and, and then actually during their, their time as president, challenging the nation to remember Christmas and what it was all about. And so we can start with one of these presidents and see if we recognize who it is. So here's your first clip. We present now a special transcribed Christmas message from the President of the United States to the American people. My fellow countrymen, all over our country and in many other parts of the world, Men, women, and children are preparing to celebrate the birthday of Christ. Never before in our lives has a Christmas seemed so important. I'm not thinking of turkey dinners and stacks of gifts. I mean the quiet, reverent celebration of faith, hope, and love born in a manger in Bethlehem. Across all the continents of this world, peace-loving people today feel apprehension and loneliness and fear. Many have forgotten the humble surroundings of the nativity and how from a straw-littered stable shone a light which for nearly 20 centuries has given men strength, comfort, and peace, peace of mind. At this Christmas time, we should renew our faith in God. We celebrate the hour in which God came to man. It is fitting that we should turn to him. Many of us are fortunate enough to celebrate Christmas at our own fireside. But there are many others who are away from their homes and loved ones on this day. Thousands of our boys are on the cold and dreary battlefield of Korea. But all of us at home, at war, wherever we may be, are within reach of God's love and power. We can all pray. All of us should pray. We should ask the fulfillment of God's will. 
We should ask for courage, for wisdom, for the quietness of soul which comes alone to them who place their lives in his hands. We should pray for a peace which is based on righteousness. The nation already is in the midst of a crusade of prayer. On the last Sunday of the old year, there will be special services devoted to a revival of faith in God. I call upon all of you to enlist in this common cause. I call upon you no matter what your spiritual allegiance may be. We are all joined in the fight against the tyranny of communism. Communism is godless. Democracy is the foundation of faith. Faith in oneself, faith in one's neighbors, faith in God. Democracy's most powerful weapon is not a gun, a tank, or a bomb. It is faith, faith in the brotherhood and dignity of man under God. Let us pray at this Christmas time for the wisdom, the humility, and the courage to carry on in this faith. All right, so there is a Christmas message from a president, and it is who? Well, I, this, there's some good contextual clues in there because Korean War and, and our brethren are at war. And so the Korean War happened shortly after World War II. And so for listeners thinking, right, FDR is gone. Truman takes over after FDR. So Truman would be that guy. 1950 Christmas Address from Harry Truman. And he did not back away from a very clear proclamation. I thought it's interesting he said the nation is praying for revival. Yeah. And that there's going to be churches gathered all over the nation there the, the first week of the year praying for revival. I mean, how, how good is that and, to hear and, from and president? And hope for the people. That's right. right. Yeah. Be, because of the gospel message, which, you know, the same thing is true today, right, for people listening. It, this is absolutely true for us in our life. And although we are a show that we, we try to look back and and we talk a lot about America's history and heroes, and we try to emphasize the Constitution and the religious and moral values upon which our nation was founded, right? We would be amiss to not point out that, no, the, the gospel message, right, is is what this is all about and, and helping people come to know the God who sent his son, which is where we get the gospel message. And there is an opportunity for peace and hope for all listening. I love the, I love the fact also that he pointed out you know communism is godless. He even even used Christmas as an opportunity to point to the difference in the, how our government is formed versus communist countries. Yeah, we're going to jump forward eight years, and in eight years, in 1958, the president now is Dwight Eisenhower, and Dwight Eisenhower is the first man to have his voice broadcast over satellite, and it was broadcast on Christmas night with Christmas greetings. And we're going to not going to play that, but ten years after that is a major broadcast that came from outer space. Uh, Apollo 8, they were orbiting the moon. They were getting ready for what would happen with Apollo 11 when they walked on the moon. So as they are orbiting the moon, you have three astronauts, Bill Anders, Jim Lovell, and Frank Borman, and they recited Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. They read that back to Americans on Christmas night. So here is outer space, 1968, Apollo 8. Approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a ferment in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the ferment, and divided the waters which were under the ferment from the waters which were above the ferment. And it was so. And God called the ferment heaven, and the evening and the morning And the pauses you heard between the readers was each of the astronauts was passing a King James Bible to the next astronaut. And that takes a little while when you're kind of weightless and, and kind of floating around, not tied down. So that's what the pause was between the readers. But that was Christmas Eve night of 1968. And David and Tim, who's our, who's our next? Are we going to tell them who it is or are we going to play it and see if we can figure it out? Well, for this generation, there's a whole lot of people who are not millennials who would recognize this voice. Maybe some millennials as well. Uh, but this is a very recognizable voice. We can say it was a Hollywood actor that who became a president. It was a A-list actor, and it was President Ronald Reagan. This is his first Christmas address. This is 1981, his first year as president. Good evening. At Christmas time, every home takes on a special beauty, a special warmth. And that's certainly true of the White House, where so many famous Americans have spent their Christmases over the years. This fine old home, the People's House, has seen so much, been so much a part of all our lives and history. It's been humbling and inspiring for Nancy and me to be spending our first Christmas in this place. We've lived here as your tenants for almost a year now, and what a year it's been. As a people, we've been through quite a lot, moments of joy, of tragedy, and of real achievement, moments that I believe have brought us all closer together. G.K. Chesterton once said that the world would never starve for wonders, but only for the want of wonder. At this special time of year, we all renew our sense of wonder in recalling the story of the first Christmas in Bethlehem nearly 2,000 years ago. Some celebrate Christmas as the birthday of a great and good philosopher and teacher. Others of us believe in the divinity of the child born in Bethlehem, that he was and is the promised Prince of Peace. Yes, we've questioned why he who could perform miracles chose to come among us as a helpless babe. But maybe that was his first miracle, his first great lesson, that we should learn to care for one another. Tonight, in millions of American homes, the glow of the Christmas tree is a reflection of the love Jesus taught us. Like the shepherds and wise men of that first Christmas, we Americans have always tried to follow a higher light, a star, if you will. 
at lonely campfire vigils along the frontier in the darkest days of the Great Depression, through war and peace, the twin beacons of faith and freedom have brightened the American sky. At times, our footsteps may have faltered, but trusting in God's help, we've never lost our way. Just across the way from the White House stand the two great emblems of the holiday season, a menorah symbolizing the Jewish festival of Hanukkah and the national Christmas tree, a beautiful towering blue spruce from Pennsylvania. Like the national Christmas tree, our country is a living, growing thing planted in rich American soil. Only our devoted care can bring it to full flower. So let this holiday season be for us a time of rededication. Well, David, you're right about recognizable, maybe the most recognizable presidential voice. Still sounds, uh, makes me miss Reagan every time I, I listen, but certainly when he, you know, is, is uh, pointing out the reason for the season for us. Hey, does it make you feel old if I tell you that, that 41% <laughs> of voters today have, did not live through any part of Ronald Reagan? I, I, I thought the answer to the question was going to be yes as soon as you said, does it make you feel old? Didn't even <laughs> yeah, have to hear the rest right. of the question, but yeah, no doubt, 41%. Wow. Yeah, 41%, but you know, again, there's a president who's very outspoken, did not back up at all from acknowledging the Christian faith, and particularly on Christmas holiday. I mean, he himself was an open professing Christian. He was very God-centered in so many of his addresses, um, but there you have an indication uh, of the strength of his conviction in that Christmas address from 1981. All right, quick break, guys. We'll be back with more. We got special messages for you here on Christmas Day. You're listening to Wild Builders Live. Hi, friends. This is Tim Barton of Wild Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even Hebrews of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman. Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read, and it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. We're back on Wobbleters Live. Thanks for staying with us on this very special Christmas Day, bringing you some special messages. So far, we had two presidents that have addressed Christmas, and even some astronauts. Uh, and 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 of course, David, you you pointed out pointed this out earlier in the in the program. Uh, but how cool that the astronauts were reading from the Bible, and pretty much the entire nation was tuning in to hear that on Christmas Day. Yeah, that that was the that culture of the day. I mean, it's just. There was no reason to, to run from our faith or shy from our faith. And by the way, that reading from the Bible, Madeline Murray O'Hara, the, the famous atheist, uh, filed a number of lawsuits over that and lost every single one of them in court. I mean, she tried the Supreme Court. She tried district courts. She tried the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And actually, on Apollo 11, um, astronaut, I think it was Jim Lovell, when he got out on the moon, actually had communion on the moon. So you're talking the, the first lunar walk and had communion on the moon. 
and also had Bible reading on the moon as well, and she sued for that as well, but didn't didn't get anywhere. So how different is the culture of, of even earlier and, and generation? I mean, you, you were alive at that time, I was alive at that time, and how different is that compared to where we are today? And, and so it really is it, it's striking. And we listened to, to President Reagan's first Christmas address. Now, here's President Trump's first Christmas address, and it also is strikingly overt in acknowledging Christ and Christmas and the reason for Christmas. Today's a day that I've been looking very much forward to all year long. It's one that we have heard and we speak about and we dream about. And now, as the President of the United States, it's my tremendous honor to finally wish America and the world a very Merry Christmas. I want to thank everyone who has come together here, right in front of the White House, that beautiful, beautiful White House, and everyone watching from home to see the lighting of this incredible national Christmas tree. For nearly a century, through good times and bad, every president has taken part in this wonderful tradition, first started by President Coolidge. But I was informed tonight that the weather we have is the best it's been in 25 years. In fact, I said, is it always like this? And the secretary said, hasn't been like this for a long time, so we're very lucky. Finally, in 1870, President Ulysses S. Grant signed legislation making Christmas a federal holiday. And I sort of feel we're doing that again. That's what's happening. From the earliest days of our nation, Americans have known Christmas as a time for prayer and worship, for gratitude and goodwill, for peace and renewal. Melania and I are full of joy at the start of this very blessed season. We're thrilled to think of the people across the nation and all across the continents whose spirits are lifted by the miracle of Christmas. For Christians, this is a holy season, the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Christmas story begins 2,000 years ago with a mother, a father, their baby son, and the most extraordinary gift of all, the gift of God's love for all of humanity. Whatever our beliefs, we know that the birth of Jesus Christ and the story of this incredible life forever changed the course of human history. There's hardly an aspect of our lives today that his life has not touched art, music, culture, law, and our respect for the sacred dignity of every person everywhere in the world. Each and every year, at Christmas time, we recognize that the real spirit of Christmas is not what we have. It's about who we are. Each one of us is a child of God. That is the true source of joy this time of the year. The Christmas messages, the, the battles he's been willing to take on, it's important to have a president that that speaks like that about this most important holiday 
um, and, and the example that sets for the whole country. So it's pretty cool. So it sounded Reagan-esque, honestly. It did sound Reagan-esque. And speaking of Reagan-esque, here's President Reagan's 1983 Christmas address, and it, too, is very open, very faith-filled, a very good address. My fellow Americans, like so many of your homes, the White House is brimming with greens, colorful decorations, and a tree trimmed and ready for Christmas Day. And when Nancy and I look out from our upstairs windows, we can see the national Christmas tree standing in majestic beauty. Its lights fill the air with a spirit of love, hope, and joy from the heart of America. I shared that spirit recently when a young girl named Amy Benham helped me light our national tree. Amy had said that the tree that lights up our country must be seen all the way to heaven, and she said that her wish was to help me turn on its lights. Well, Amy's wish came true, but the greatest gift was mine, because I saw her eyes light up with hope and joy just as brightly as the lights on our national tree, and I'm sure they were both seen all the way to heaven, and they made the angels sing. Christmas is a time for children, and rightly so. We celebrate the birthday of the Prince of Peace who came as a babe in a manger. Some celebrate Christmas as the birthday of a great teacher and philosopher, but to other millions of us, Jesus is much more. He is divine, living assurance that God so loved the world, he gave us his only begotten Son so that by believing in him and learning to love each other, we could one day be together in paradise. It's been said that all the kings who ever reigned and all the parliaments that ever sat have not done as much to advance the cause of peace on earth and goodwill to men as the man from Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth. Christmas is also a time to remember the treasures of our own history. We remember one Christmas in particular, 1776, our first year as a nation. The Revolutionary War had been going badly, but George Washington's faith, courage, and leadership would turn the tide of history our way. On Christmas night, he led a band of ragged soldiers across the Delaware River through driving snow to a victory that saved the cause of independence. It's said that their route of march was stained by bloody footprints, but their spirit never faltered and their will could not be crushed. The image of George Washington kneeling in prayer in the snow is one of the most famous in American history. He personified a people who knew it was not enough to depend on their own courage and goodness. They must also seek help from God, their Father and Preserver. In a few hours, families and friends across America will join together in caroling parties and Christmas Eve services. Together, we'll renew that spirit of faith, peace, and giving which has always marked the character of our people. In our moments of quiet reflection, I know we will remember our fellow citizens who may be lonely and in need tonight. Is the Christmas spirit still alive, some ask? Well, you bet it is. Being Americans, we open our hearts to neighbors less fortunate. We try to protect them from hunger and cold, and we reach out in so many ways, from toys for tots drives across the country, to goodwill by the Salvation Army, to American Red Cross efforts which provide food, shelter, and Christmas cheer from Atlanta to Seattle. Churches are so generous it's impossible to keep track. One example, Reverend Bill Sengel's Presbyterian Meeting House in nearby Alexandria, Virginia, is simultaneously sponsoring Hot Meals on Wheels programs, making and delivering hundreds of sandwiches and box loads of clothes, while visiting local hospitals and sending postcards to shut-ins and religious dissidents abroad. Let us remember the families who maintain a watch for their missing in action. 
And yes, let us remember all those who were persecuted inside the Soviet bloc, not because they commit a crime, but because they love God in their hearts and want the freedom to celebrate Hanukkah or worship the Christ child. And because faith for us is not an empty word, we invoke the power of prayer to spread the spirit of peace. We ask protection for our soldiers who are guarding peace tonight, from frigid outposts in Alaska and the Korean demilitarized zone to the shores of Lebanon. One Lebanese mother told us that her little girl had only attended school two of the last eight years. Now, she said, because of our presence there, her daughter can live a normal life. With patience and firmness, we can help bring peace to that strife-torn region and make our own lives more secure. The Christmas spirit of peace, hope, and love is a spirit Americans carry with them all year round everywhere we go. As long as we do, we need never be afraid because trusting in God is the one sure answer to all the problems we face. Till next week, thanks for listening. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Well, guys, we're almost out of time, but I think we have a, a, a final, a final not president, but a final Merry Christmas. We do have a final Merry Christmas, and it actually goes back to 1843. Uh, Charles Dickens, when he wrote A Christmas Carol, and, you know, there's been many versions of that done over the years. I think my favorite version of The Christmas Carol is the one with Alastair Sims. It, you know, I cry when I see it. It is so good. But that was a Christ-centered message that they had, and particularly when you read it. Hollywood has made it less Christ-centered. But as you actually read the story, Charles Dickens was an overt Christian, outspoken about his faith, and it was very evident in A Christmas Carol. So we want to close with the last section of the Alastair Sims movie, A Christmas Carol. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew, or any other good old city, town or borough in the good old world. And to Tiny Tim, who lived and got well again, he became a second father. Uncle Scrooge! And it was always said that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Well, Merry Christmas from all of us here at Wall Builders. To all of you, our listeners, thank you for your support. Thank you for listening, and have a merry, merry Christmas. <laughs>